Hello everybody, what's going on? It is Alex Driscoll again from the Chop Podcast and we are back finally after like three or four months or so of being off because literally after we did a podcast for spring training, spring training got canceled due to the coronavirus, but we are back and I have my main guy, Jacob Stewart with me today. Jacob, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm about as good as someone can be after so many months of no baseball. That's very, very true. And same for me. I know I sound a little bit stopped up. I think I have some allergy problems going on right now. But uh, other than that, for the past couple months, I have been good as well. Like you said, doing as good as somebody can without uh, the game of baseball or just sports in general. Uh, But... uh, no matter, sports are back a little bit. They're starting to uh, restart a little bit uh, after coronavirus has settled down a little bit. I know there's been a couple more spikes, especially here in the South and other places. But overall, numbers have gone down. Death rates have gone down. And so it's a little bit safer to uh, come out and get back to a regular life. But there's still a lot, a lot of rules about uh, teams and like roster makeup and uh, how they're doing testing with uh, – with Major League Baseball. So I know, Jacob, you're not the most educated on it, so I'm going to break it down and then get your reaction from it. But mainly, um, roster from a roster management standpoint, they're going to have a massive 60-man roster. Um, it's basically a huge spring training invite for the first two weeks of the season of the 60-game season, which starts uh, July 23rd. For the first two weeks, they're going to have uh, a 30-man uh, roster which can play in the games. Then after those two weeks, they're going to have uh, 28 guys. And then after those two weeks, they're going to have uh, 26 to finish out the year. And we knew the uh, 26-man roster was being expanded uh this year even in normal circumstances but uh players are going to be six feet apart socially distanced all that good stuff i think they're i believe they're going to wear a mask if they're not playing and i want to say they're not going to be in the dugout they are going to be uh right behind the dugout usually where fans would sit and if you've been watching if anybody maybe jacob you have um if you've been watching premier league soccer over in england that's kind of what they've done where there are little seats on the sidelines there's nobody in those seats besides coaches and maybe a couple trainers and assistant coach but all the players that are on the bench that didn't start are in the stands six feet away with mask on so jacob with uh with the 60-man roster and all the other stuff how do you expect that to go and maybe who we could see in terms of uh, prospect wise if a guy opts out say like Nick Markakis and Felix Hernandez uh, opted out and of course Freddie Freeman uh, tested positive and he is symptomatic um, right now so who like do you have your eye on that could be like a dark horse and maybe a guy that we're really not talking about that could make an impact with the with how big the roster is well the first thing that pops out to me is like I don't, I don't know. See, I feel like you could have a lot of guys who who come out and you wouldn't have regularly see or saw. Sorry, I'm just absolutely amazing at grammar. But I don't know how well the Braves are going to like utilize that because you can have 60 guys on the roster for the first two weeks, but if Brian Snicker won't uh, use them, 
how they can be. My biggest thing is I think the pitching. Like, having too many starting pitchers has never been a bad thing, but it's never been as good of a thing as it is right now. Like, for the Braves, we've all, I mean, at least for the past couple of years, we've had way too many pitchers up and down. I mean, whether they be young or um, actually ready, we just have a lot of pitchers. And right now, I think, as far as Freddie... I'm jumping all over the place, but like position-wise, I don't know that we'll see as many new dark horses type guys. But I think like pitchers, I think Kyle Wright's going to get a lot more time. Um, Tuki most definitely is going to get more time just because of that role that he can play out of the bullpen. Guys like that, I, I think, are going to show a lot more than like a position player because. I'm not 100% sure, but I think if, like, Freddie tested positive, if he tests negative twice, then he's right back in. So he could do that within a week and a half, if I'm correct, probably two weeks. And the season doesn't start until – season doesn't start for what? Uh, it starts the 24th, so that's almost three weeks. Yeah, and, like, a lot of people were saying, a lot of people – uh, especially in the media. I mean, just the way the media is right now. Um, a lot of people were overreacting, in my personal opinion, about Freddie being uh, positive and symptomatic at the same time. Yeah, he probably has at least, at the minimum, two weeks to get over it. But after those two weeks, like you said, he has to test positive, um, or he has, excuse me, he has to test negative in back-to-back tests. And so after those two weeks are done, and if he does um, test negative in uh, two back-to-back tests, then he's back, and he only lost two weeks of uh, summer training, if you will. So, I mean, really no harm done there. But I think, of course, losing Freddie for any extended period of time is going to weaken the lineup a bit because sometimes or actually a lot of the time whether it be uh, when the rebuild was happening in the mid uh, 2010s to now where from about 2000 to the move to uh, now truest part he's been the guy that stirs the drink even though we've had guys like uh, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy, Josh Donaldson last year those guys kind of step up and be those superstar uh, type players, those really dynamic type players. You've had guys that Freddie, like Freddie, that are just extremely, extremely consistent. It can stir the drink. And I really, really like what you said about uh, the pitching uh, depth that we have. Of course, we know even though it wasn't um, Alex Anthopoulos' uh, idea to build around pitching when uh, when he got here, that was more of the John Hart, John Capoella uh, type things. With the rebuild, was just stockpile as many pitchers as you can. And now we're seeing that that could really be a strength because um, I know Anthopolis maybe a week or two ago said maybe stretching these guys out, maybe just doing like for their first couple of starts or so, maybe just three to four innings max. And... Um, and just having maybe like a eight to ten man rotation, and so that would be guys like Mike Soroka, Max Freed, Cole Hamels, Mike Fultonevich, Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright. Like you mentioned, he's going to be in a really, really uh, good spot for that fifth spot. Um, Bryce Wilson, and then in Group Two, you could have anybody that didn't make it out of that Group One, which could be again Kyle Wright, 
uh, Bryce Wilson, Sean Newcomb, Ian Anderson, Tuki Toussaint, and then that's not even dipping into uh, the other minor leaguers that got invited to the 60-man roster, like guys like uh, Tucker Davidson, Patrick Weigel, who's trying to make a comeback after uh, being sidelined for a couple years with Tommy John surgery, and then uh, Kyle Muller as well. So you're really, really seeing um, how the Braves are built for not particularly this situation, but how deep they really are, whether it be at the major league level or the minor league level. And same thing with uh, with the bats. I mean, I mean, yeah, Freddie's out for a bit, and we really don't have like a true first baseman to take over. But you have guys like an Adam Duvall and Austin Riley, a Johan Camargo that can step in at least keep the seat warm a little bit till Freddie gets healthy, or. If he decides to opt out, I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying he won't. But if he decides to opt out, you have those guys that can take over for him and maybe uh, put up, I'm not going to say similar numbers, but like I said, kind of keep the seat warm, kind of be like Freddie Freeman light, kind of like he was in his early years and um, and stuff like that. So moving on from like the roster management aspect. Of, I have, I have okay, yeah, question, go ahead. Alex. Yeah. How long of a window do the players have to decide if they want to opt out or not? Is it like whenever? I don't know. I I really don't know. I'm going to plead ignorance on that. But I want to say that I, I want to think it's at any time. But it say like I think Nick Markakis was a good example. He opted out uh, this morning on July 6th. Um, so I think he's a really good example of this. He opted out. And I want to say because he has like more than three kids younger than like the age of 12 or something like that, he is considered a high risk player. And if a high risk player, which is deemed by MLB, I guess I haven't read the rule or not. This is just my understanding of it. If somebody is deemed a high risk player, then he doesn't get any service time. He's not going to get paid. But his contract for this year will roll over to uh, 2021, barring, again, any unforeseen circumstance of, like, the coronavirus pandemic, like uh, like we've had this year. So my understanding is if is there a guy can opt out at any time, and if he is considered a high-risk player, then his contract basically just rolls over to 2021. So say like knock on wood, Marcelo Zuna opts out anytime in between now and, uh, and the end of the season or opening day or whatever. And if he's considered a high risk player, we still have Marcelo Zuna for the next year. He doesn't become a free agent after this year. So that's my understanding of it. And sometimes that can say a guy like Mark Melanson would opt out. And he would be de- deemed high risk in a, in a certain situation. Say if he did that, we would be on the hook for 14 to $15 million for Mark Melanson, and that would kind of put us out of 14 to $15 million where we could have uh, put it somewhere else, whether it be locking up a guy to uh, an extension or going out and getting another bat or another arm. So, I mean, as far as I know, to answer your question, there really isn't. They can opt out at any time, and if they are deemed a high risk player, then their contract just rolls over to 2021. Right. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad they made like a 
glad they have that set because because like I said like oh I know Mark Akis, he he told um I think it was like Gabe Burns that I mean he he was talking to Freddie on the phone and he like it was kind of an eye opener for him that like dang Freddie Freeman a guy who never gets sick was was really hurting and I think that like you said Mark Akis has kids so he doesn't want to um, put his family in danger, so that that's something that I think is is a good thing done by Major League Baseball. Yeah, me too. Especially um, like like we've been saying, especially if uh, that player has a child, and especially if that child's an infant. Say like Freddie with uh, him and Charlie. I know Charlie's three; he'll turn four. Uh, I want to say in September, October, and then Bryce Harper and his wife—they have a baby um, that's not even a year old. And I know Mike Trout's wife is like expecting any time, like she's about to pop. So, I mean, when you look at it that way, I totally see uh, why Major League Baseball built that in. And kudos, actually, kudos to them for doing that. I know they really haven't been. Uh, giving the benefit of the doubt and the eyes of the public uh, through all this, and especially me. But kudos, good pat on the back for that uh, certain instance. So uh, we'll move on from that, and we'll talk about some players uh, that got coronavirus. Like we said, Freddie Freeman. Uh, Freddie came down with it, I want to say, this past Thursday, and he is symptomatic, so he's been dealing with fever, body aches, bad cough, all that stuff. And so was Pete Cosma. Pete Cosma uh, tested positive as well and is symptomatic. But uh, you had guys like Will Smith and Tuki Toussaint test positive but are asymptomatic. So all they, excuse me, all they are doing is basically just chilling keeping their distance that way they don't give it to anybody else on the team their family anybody in the staff so stuff like that and i want to say joey gallo of the texas rangers who's one of the best power bats in all of major league baseball also tested positive today and he's symptomatic and he's quarantining so it's really interesting um really interesting really fluid situation when you talk about uh different guys that are testing positive here and there wherever they be uh, we i know me and you hope they get better as well so the sooner the better that way uh all the teams can be at full strength and at full health and that way we can get things going and speaking of players let's talk a little bit about uh, the lineups and the rotation. We I know we touched on it uh, earlier, but we can touch on it again. Uh, so far for the lineups, we know Freddie might be out for a little bit. We know Marquez is going to be out, and he could have been a potential uh, DH because of the universal DH that is finally coming to 2020, and hopefully it stays with the next collective bargain agreement. So um, with Freddie uh, being testing positive of course he's quarantining and maybe he does opt out maybe he doesn't um who would you like to see jacob step into that freddie freeman role that guy that can provide a little bit of power and a little bit of consistency at first base i don't know that there's anybody on the team that can step in and provide the the combination of power and consistency that uh freddie brings 
Um, but as far as being able to lock down first base, I look I look at two guys, uh, Charlie Culberson, which is still not even really on the roster, but I guess he's on the 60-man, so he got a non-roster invite. I guess that means that he's on the team for the first two weeks at least. Uh, uh, Culberson and Camargo, I think, are the two biggest candidates for that role. And then, to me, where it gets difficult is now that Marquecas has opted out, you could slide Camargo over there to, I don't know. I, okay, probably I would go, I'd put Camargo at first, let Austin Riley play third, and uh, I guess Culberson would play right field or left field or whatever. Yeah, I, I can. What about you? Yeah, I can see where Camargo uh, goes to first. I know I don't think he's. Let me check here. Let me scroll down. I don't think he's ever played first, but since he's been at third and at that, he's been at a corner spot. I don't think it would be uh, too terribly hard for him. Yeah, he has played first base. He's only playing an inning, so I mean, it's a very small sample size. I mean. Everything's a zero in terms of defensive runs saved, UZR one fifty, outs above average, stuff like that. But he has played first um, at the major league level, albeit for three outs. Uh, Charlie Culberson is an interest. Well, go ahead, go ahead. They did. Well, they had O'Reilly practicing at first base. Yeah, that, that, training, that, that's not. that's who I was gonna say would be my candidate to kind of maybe take over is uh, yeah. is Austin Riley because I mean the dude is a, number one. He's a supreme athlete. Like he he really could be a left fielder and still be an above average like defender even if his bat doesn't work out and same thing at third base just because he's that good of an athlete and I I think an underrated and kind of like an overlooked part of all this of guys like moving positions and whatnot is Ron Washington who's one of the best infield coaches in all of baseball so I think they'll be fine from there Um, but I think I, I like what you said about uh, Austin Riley. I think he would be mine just because if the here the big thing is if he does uh, change his approach to play and stop uh, chasing pitches one outside of the zone and two stop chasing uh, sliders, curveballs, and breaking ball, and other breaking balls, I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be more of that like first half uh, Austin Riley that we saw. Excuse me, but I think he'll be more of that first half that we saw, a guy that can really just rip the ball and be a real power threat. Um, Charlie Culberson is an option, like you said. I mean, Charlie Clutch, he has that nickname for a reason. He is he comes through when it's clutch, apparently. Um, he just has a knack for that, and he can play different positions as well. So um, I really like what you said about Austin Riley. He's my pick. Camargo, I think he would – even though I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Johan, moving Johan Camargo to the, the first base is going to be the worst thing ever. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that till we see Johan Camargo at first. Uh, I think he's just better suited. Yeah, but I, I do. I changed what I said for sure. No, yeah. I thought about it. Riley fits better at first. Yeah, I think I think like like you like you just said. I think Riley fits better at first, uh, just because Yohan Camargo is actually like when he was at third base full time in 2018, uh, war wise and as as like a whole and as a player, he was a top 15 third baseman in all of Major League Baseball. He's one of the more underrated 
uh, third baseman in all of baseball. And then you looked at his defensive numbers. He was top seven, top eight in in Major League Baseball in terms of defense at third baseman. Now I'm not going to say he's going to be like Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado, but um, I think he could provide some value at third base, but. Uh, Freddie, like you said earlier when we started talking about it, there really isn't anybody on the team, and you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody in Major League Baseball that combines that uh, power and consistency like Freddie does. I do think it's interesting uh, now that Nick Markakis uh, has opted out the DH options. Um, Going in prior to today with Nick Markakis, opting out. I thought Nick Markakis sorry I had a notification pop up but um, but going into um, into the season prior to Nick Markakis opting out I thought he would have been a really good option at DH just because of the pure contact and how consistent he is. I know we talk about uh, hitting the ball hard and power numbers and he really doesn't have that but once you start digging deeper into the numbers, you you can see where that consistency could play a key factor in DH, especially versus righties. Now versus lefties, he doesn't need to even be in the lineup. He needs probably he probably needs to be like the second or maybe even third guy coming off the bench versus lefties. But a guy like uh, Adam Duvall now, I definitely could see stepping into that role. Um, I know he's kind of been really really up and down. In his Braves tenure, I know when we first got him in 2018, he was absolutely horrible. Then last year, he spent majority of the season in Gwinnett and set a Gwinnett Stripers record uh, for home runs, and it was like in the 30s. And of course, he was he was one of the most clutch players in the postseason offense. Of course, he had that home run to put us up in the eighth or the seventh or eighth versus the Cardinals in Game Two, and of course in Game Three. Uh, he delivered uh, the game-winning runs when he drove in Rafael Fortega and uh, Dansby Swanson. So I definitely could see uh, definitely could see Adam Duvall stepping into that DH role. What do, who do you think, and maybe who's your pick, kind of for that DH role? Mm, I think Adam Duvall probably. I think you're right in saying that he probably has the first pick. Um, a guy like okay Adam Duvall, whoever's not catching that day probably has an that's an option. Tyler Flowers, Travis Darnot. Um, I think Travis Darnot is probably going to get the majority of the time behind the plate, so Tyler Flowers is probably right behind Duvall with um, that role. And then I'm thinking probably like Yonder Alonso is is in that list too. I think it's probably going to vary because I mean. Adam Duvall has his has his splits issues, and Tyler Flowers kind of does as well. So it's, I think the DH role isn't going to be set in stone. I really would have liked it to be a um, like kind of an Austin Riley, Dick Markakis type of thing, but with Markakis out, that really, I'm not going to say. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and rag Markakis for opting out because, like we said earlier, it's not. I mean, we both. I take when we happen, uh, when it happened, we text each other and was like, "Yeah, this just happened." Uh, we both were like, "Well, I mean, I don't blame them," but it definitely took a hit to the depth for sure. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think a guy like maybe Marcel Azuna actually could be uh, the DH maybe full-time. I know we definitely brought him in to be uh, the starting left fielder. But now with some of the depth questioned uh, with Nick Marquez opting out, I definitely could see him being the full-time DH uh, just no matter who the pitcher is. I mean, because last year uh, – I mean, when you pull up his baseball savant page, all his like exit velocity, hard hit rate, uh, expected WOBA, his expected batting average, and expecting expected slugging percentage as well as his barrel percentage were all at least at least in the eighty six percentile. So he was a he had some elite like bat the ball skills, exit velocity skills, and uh, and he was brought in not to be of the left fielder. I know a lot of people were debating, oh, we need a third baseman. We need a third baseman. No, the Braves didn't need a third baseman. They needed another power bat similar to Josh Donaldson. And Marcel Zuna fit the bill pretty well. I know he was really, really up and down last year. Uh, he hit 241, had an OPS of 800, and it was it really was an up and down season. But when you do look at the numbers and more of the underlying numbers, you can see that a lot of his uh, stats should have been better than what they were. He just had some really, really, really tough luck. And of course, you saw, excuse me, you you saw what it what he could do versus the Braves in the postseason. I know he had like maybe three home runs. I want to say he had like a two home run game maybe in there. I can't remember correctly. But I do like what you said about uh, whoever the uh, backup catcher is that day, whether it be Travis Darnold or uh, Tyler Flowers. I think Darnold's going to get more of the uh, starts behind the plate, and which would, of course, maybe lead to Tyler Flowers being the DH because he actually is kind of an underrated hitter. Uh don't at me on that, but I do think he's a little bit of an underrated hitter. I know he has really good, uh, a really good eye. He's kind of patient at the plate. He can walk a lot, um, and I know <laughs> it's kind of been a meme and a running joke within uh, Braves Twitter. But the dude's a ball magnet. He always gets, he always seems to get hit with a ball. So he has good hit by pitch skills, I guess. But I mean for me, I think you <laughs> I think it would be uh Marcelo Zuna to be in that DH role because when you look at it, you can put Adam Duvall in left and maybe in, I know excuse me, but I know he's not the most popular between I know me and you for sure. But there's some segments of Braves social media or whatever, Braves Nation, Braves Country, whatever you want to call it, to think Ender Enciarte is like a total, totally like irreplaceable player and stuff like that. So you can, I think, that, wrong. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but now I probably would guess he would get majority of the starts in center. And then of course Acuna would be in right. And that honestly with Duvall, Ender and Acuna, as the outfield, that is a really, really, really solid defensive outfield. Yeah, it, it is. And it's honestly, then the offense isn't as bad with the DH. Yeah, I agree. Because I'm, I'm more okay with having Ender in the lineup when we have the DH. Like, because, like, essentially, 
when you had Ender in the lineup and you had Mike Fultonetwich hitting, I'm not saying Ender is by no means a Mike Fultonetwich at the plate. Okay, Ender is not always that far below league average um, offensively, so he's been he's been fine. I'm just I, I'm we've never been the ones to really uh, fall on the sword for Ender and Ciarte, but he's a better hitter, not a better hitter, but he's better than any pitcher. And then when you add in the DH, is yeah, it's just better. And he's he is he's elite in the outfield. So yeah, it, that really is a good, very solid uh, outfield. Acuna plays very well in right field, and Adam Duvall is super underrated defensively. He's really not bad. Yeah, I want to say it was 2017 where Duvall won a gold glove for left field with the Cincinnati Reds. And if we know one thing, it's that Alex Anthopoulos values defense in the highest regard. He loves, loves, loves defense. And if he can mask um, somebody that doesn't really produce runs or create ones, he can find somebody that can sure as heck save runs. And he do, he's been a master at that during his tenure here with the Braves and Adam Duvall is one example of that I do think we could see um, even though I said Azuna uh, could be the DH I do see where there could be a platoon of him and Duvall unless say Duvall needs a day of rest he can just DH get off his feet a little bit and Azuna Azuna can be in left and I know a lot of people are going to point back to that play uh last year with the Cardinals. I still laugh about it when I think it think about it. But yeah. where uh there was a ball hitting deep left center field toward the bullpen and like he jumps like on the railing of the bullpen and just to like rob what he thinks is gonna be a home run <laughs> and it ends up being like <laughs> like they, ten they or f- the warning track. Yeah, it ends up being like ten to fifteen feet short, and he like jumps down and stumbles over his own two feet, and just like face plants. And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "Oh, that play right there, that he's gonna suck as our left fielder." But one play really shouldn't uh, determine a guy's like whole value as a defender. Um, because when you really look at it, Marcelo Zuna is a he's a maybe a little bit teeny tiny bit below average and left but he can be above above average to even a good defensive left fielder i know he's more on that uh nick markakis level now as he's aged and i know he had some shoulder issues as well that he got corrected but um in terms of the lineup, I think it is. I think it could be a very deep lineup, like you said. I really don't mind Ender being in the starting lineup anymore, uh, as long as there's that DH with him. So that that could help mask that. So, and I know we mentioned it earlier. Let's get to the rotation. Um, with the idea of a maybe eight to ten man rotation, I know you're going to have uh, your top five of Soroka. Uh, gosh, I'm blanking. Max Freed. Cole Hamels and uh, Mike Fultonevich and whether the winner of the fifth spot, whether that be Sean Newcomb or Kyle Wright. But who's a couple guys that you wouldn't mind seeing up kind of in those uh, maybe seventh to eighth man guys that can maybe even piggyback a little bit? Definitely Tukey. I, I want to see a lot of Tukey. I just think his – I think he's useful in the type of style that these games are going to be like managed in 
Tukey, I think Kyle Wright's going to get a lot of time, and Bryce Wilson. I'm not super big on Kyle Muller uh, being at a major league level right now. This is what we saw last year. He's got all the tools there. He just dude couldn't hit the side of the barn last year. I think this was going to be a big year for him to uh, be in the minors and really figure figure out his control, and he did, he's not going to get that. So I I personally don't know if he'll be here past the two week um, window when they make the first cuts. But yeah, the big guys that I want to see is Tukey, Tukey Kyle Wright, and Bryce Wilson. I think we'll see a lot more then, and Patrick Weigel as well. He's, he's made some pretty big moves. Yeah. I don't know, almost would put Weigel over Bryce Wilson, but I know you you would uh, come down my neck for that. Uh, I really won't come down your neck for it just because I, I really do like Patrick Weigel. I think he is kind of uh, the right-handed version of Sean Newcomb. I think every sign uh, before he got hurt, and to that, I want to say it was 2017, was pointing to him being that first guy coming up to the major league level. But yeah. but he ended up getting hurt, having Tommy John surgery. And, of course, all the rehab that came with that ended up being Sean Newcomb getting pressed and thrust into that role. And there were times where Sean Newcomb actually like looked decent. But, of course, as a starter, he kind of faded off. But then as a reliever, he looked really, really good. And... I know they're going to try him out again as a starter, which I don't mind. Of course, we have pitching depth, and sometimes, especially in times like these with the coronavirus, uh, sometimes it's okay to throw throw noodles at the wall and see if they stick. That's all right because everybody else is probably going to be doing the same thing at least early on. So I'm I'm fine with that. I really like what you said about Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright, um, I'm not. I know you're really, really high on him. I'm, I'm more high on Ian Anderson than I am Kyle Wright. I both think they have really, really, really good ceilings and really, really high ceilings. I think Ian Anderson would be the more consistent guy, at least at the major league level, even though we haven't seen it. I know he really, really struggled once he was brought up to AAA last year, but that's also due to AAA getting a uh, – getting a new ball i know it was kind of like the juice baseball that major leagues had but i don't and and the juice ball debate is a totally different subject for a totally different day and minor league baseball not use at least from double a down not using the same baseball as triple a and up is a totally different subject that i won't get into right now because i'll just end up just spouting off and get into a rant that doesn't need to happen but um but, yeah, I, I do like Kyle Wright maybe as that fifth, sixth, seventh guy because he ended the year last year at Triple A Gwinnett on a really, really good note. He had uh, 9.29 strike, strikeouts per nine innings and 2.8 walks per nine innings. I know the ERA and FIP and XFIP uh, weren't there, weren't in the best numbers uh, that they could be at Triple A, but at the same time, um, he did show some promise, and he showed some really good promise in the spring where he was borderline sub-2 ERA So before everything got shut down. And last year, I want to say it was towards like the tail end of the minor league season, excuse me, he started he started uh, flashing 90 to like 92 on a very, very hard-breaking slider, which really could change the game for him because he's been more of a fastball change-up type guy. 
And when his fastball and changeup really aren't working, he tries to rely on that slider and his breaking pitches, which um, aren't there, aren't at a average major league level yet. Keyword yet. I think they could be, but he still has a bit more work to do in uh, that front. But a guy like Bryce Wilson, I definitely could see as a piggyback guy just because he he does throw a lot of strikes and he likes to live on the corners and he can throw mid to high 90s consistently and consi- can't consistently be in the zone. He just gets hit hit really, really hard when his changeup and his breaking stuff aren't working so he really needs to develop that more and of course our guy Tukey like you mentioned I re- I, I've been really really high on Tukey as well he just for the most part he, he does still have control issues I mean call a spade a spade but he does have really really electric stuff mid to high 90s uh, fastball devastating absolutely devastating Devastating curveball to pair up with a pretty good uh, changeup as well. So I definitely could see Tukey being in that role, maybe getting a shot to piggyback and come in and eat some innings uh, early on just to save uh, some other guys. So uh, that'll probably be it as far as the lineup and uh, pitching rotation go. But now is the fun time of the show. It's time to play I Know So I Want to Know. So, Jacob, take it away. Okay, so I know you're a big Marvel guy. Yes, love me some Marvel. I know you're, know you're a big Braves guy. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so hmm, I want to start it off with a good one. All righty. Um, I like Bryce Wilson. Who would Bryce Wilson be? Ooh, that is if he a was a Marvel character. That's a tough one. Ooh, man, you're really gonna have to make me think on this one. And, and trust us, everybody. Um, he he's just spouting off like we didn't talk about which guys we are. I wanted to talk about like which which guys would be the Marvel characters. So he's just free balling right here. Uh, Bryce Wilson. Uh. I think he could be uh, Hawkeye. He's kind of more this quiet, reserved type of guy. Um, and like I said, he even though he does get hit around a lot and his ERA and all that is high, he does throw strikes. He can be accurate at times, and he's more of that quiet, reserved guy. So let's go with Hawkeye. Okay. Next one, um, we won't do all pitchers, but this one, Mike Fultonevich. Ooh, Mike Fultonevich. Definitely Hulk, because you wouldn't like him when he's, when he's angry. Um, <laughs> because we, we've all seen it when Fulty doesn't uh, get a call to go his way or there's like a bloop hit or something like that. He kind he kind of uh, cusses himself out and stuff like that. He starts speeding up his delivery. He gets angry. And sometimes that works to his benefit, and a lot of the times that works to his detriment. And, of course, we all know the the bracelet he came up with and the hashtag that he had on it. I won't repeat it because it's not family-friendly. But if you have the time, go look it up. It's actually kind of funny. But I do think Mike Fultonevich would be the Hulk because you wouldn't like him when he's angry. All right, now this next one's going to be a little contradictory to what we've said in so many podcasts, but if Ender Ziarte was a Marvel superhero and he had to save your life, who would he be? 
Oh. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if he would save my life. I don't. Yeah, so I don't. Just let me, I don't think he would. After, if, if he listens to the podcast, he's not saving my life. Yeah, he'll probably block us just for saying his name. But um, <laughs> but he would probably. All jokes aside, he'd probably pull a hammy before he even got to like save our life. But um, <laughs> I would say probably like a guy, maybe like I know he's not like a hero per se he's more of like the sidekick to Doctor Strange and that would be uh, Wang I want to say that's his name or Wong. it's either Wong or Wang I can't remember he's just he's just like kind of there and he he's a really really good sidekick okay got you Dansby Swanson Dansby Swanson ooh man uh ooh I want to say Ooh, I know if there's any female listeners, I'm gonna. I know they're gonna choose like the best looking one. So, man, that's tough. I, I want to say Captain America, just because uh, a lot of people are like, "Oh, he's the most attractive one," but he's not like really the captain of the team. And but when you do think of like. Braves and like Georgia, you think of Dainsby Swanson, and when you think of like Avengers and Marvel stuff, you think of Captain America. So I really don't want to say Captain America. Maybe Winter Soldier, um, because his friend Captain America's best friend Bucky, the Winter Soldier, because a lot of people think he's attractive as well, but he's not like that leader type of guy. He really just helps out any way he can, and he's kind of clutch too. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna. Ooh, man. Uh, so big, powerful guy. Kind of inconsistent. Uh, I want to... When I say big, powerful guy, the first thing that pops in my head is Hulk. But, uh... Let's go... Uh... Let's go Drax. Drax would be a really good one for Marcelo okay. Zuna. yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. Oh man, my my. Fl- How many of these are we doing? Uh, let's just do like maybe one or two more because I know we're kind of pressed for time. Okay, you gotta make them good ones. Hey, hmm. I'm thinking like Ozzy Albies. Who's who's? Oh, definitely, definitely Spider Man, definitely Spider Man because he's kind of like that boyish type of guy he's kind of like the smaller one he's one of the younger ones um definitely spider-man for me okay i can see that i can see that pretty well let's see one more one more all right that'd be a good one okay mike soroka mike soroka Ooh boy mike soroka would have been captain america for me yeah, yeah, I definitely could see that because they're both tall, really, really muscular, really, really built, and they're both blonde-headed. But he's also Canadian. Um, he would be, uh, he would be Star Lord, uh, Chris Pratt's character, uh, Peter Peter Quill, Peter Quill, Peter Quill slash Star Lord. He would definitely be that because Chris Pratt also is kind of built 
and uh, they also really really love music if you don't know about Mike Soroka's uh, guitar playing skills they are almost as good as his pitching he's a really really good guitar player and he loves music and so does Star-Lord and they're both really really built and they kind of have like this dirty bond type of hair and type of uh, type of like stubble but not really stubble kind of beard so def- I definitely could see Mike Soroka being Star-Lord you don't know how big of an idiot I sound I, I, I feel like right now you're good. You're good. We we we've all been there. Captain America. Yeah, I don't know how he could be Captain America when Canadian. he's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're good. Oh well. Yeah. yeah. I think that's all. That's all I got. All right. That's all you got. But I uh, hope hope everybody enjoyed that uh, little diatribe that we had of uh, I want to know so. I want to know. But uh, anyway, that is going to be it for uh, the podcast this time. Thank you for bearing with us for however many months uh, we took a hiatus from when we were basically contentless. Um, But we are back. Hopefully, we can do these uh, every week. If Jacob can't be on, I will definitely uh, do recordings, and you'll be able to hear my voice. Hopefully, hopefully my allergies and my sinuses get squared away and I don't sound like freaking Squidward when I talk. Um, but, uh, that's going to be it for the podcast. Jacob, if you want to plug, uh, your socials real quick, by all means, go ahead. Um, I believe my Twitter is Jacob Stewart 29 or something like that. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I did change it though. Okay. Right. But just don't even worry about me. Just go follow the chop on twitter um we don't have the website anymore so we're just focused on the podcast but it'll still be fun and thank you everyone but if you made it this far you're kind of a trooper yeah i will agree with that um my social media is at driscoll alex d-r-i-s-k-e-l-l and then how you'd regularly spell alex and of course like jacob said go follow us on social media whether it be twitter or instagram or facebook at underscore the chop for all your braves content needs so for jacob stewart i have been alex driscoll saying so long stay choppy and god bless